Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 34 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, we had a dramatic come-from-behind win in game three, and we were going to record last night there, but we decided, you know what? That's a lot of emotions for a ball game, so we're going to take it in. We're going to wait a day before we make our recording here. And Riley, how do you feel? Are you still amped up from the win last night? Of course, I'm still amped up. It was a win we sh- we surely needed. I mean, there's no way I was I was even coming to coming to work tomorrow or coming on the air tomorrow if we had got swept <laughs> by the Yankees. Um, it feels good, man. Um, hey, his father was in attendance. Lord, Lord, yep. senior was in attendance to watch his son basically save the game, save the series, salvage a win for us. Essentially, I remember one time I was playing in uh, in Melrose, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was a tournament game, I believe, eight o'clock in the morning, and I remember I hit a hit a screamer down the right field line in a, in a triple. And uh, I did a head first slide into, into third base. And on the third base side where my dad's lawn chairs parked, all I hear is, Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a, a dad thing. We didn't record yesterday. So I also want to say happy uh, father's day to all fathers out there. Yep. And uh, the, our bladed father's day episode, essentially, I think we record on mother's day. So we got to give some love to the dads out there too, but yeah, good to do that stuff in front of your, uh, you know, your father, but also too. It is a little bit somber. We do f- now find ourselves falling even further back on the New York Yankees after taking one out of the last three this weekend. Yeah, it's we were talking up before the series started that we really had good high hopes for this. We thought, you know, the Yankees have overperformed. We thought, hey, maybe the Jays can step in and they can go. But it got dark and it got dark early here. Game one, the Jays lost that game 12 to three. The Jays took an early lead and then gave up 10 unanswered runs to the Yankees. Ross Stripling had a lot of deep counts, didn't make it out of the fourth inning in this one. Trevor Richards, Trent Thornton also struggled in this one. And Casey Lawrence was fine, pitched four innings in relief, but, you know, mop up duty if the Jays were back. Uh, Positive side, though, we did get three hits and two RBIs from Gabriel Moreno and a home run from Alejandro Kirk in that game. Game two, the Jays were hoping to bounce back, and nope, they did not. They lost that game 4-0. Jays were shut out for the fourth time this season and the third time by the New York Yankees. Alec Manoa had to deal with some bad calls, including a pitch that he got a swing and miss on that hit the guy in the chest that wasn't called, and plus a few others. Charlie Montoyo got ejected in this one, but positives. Rymel Tapia had a multi-hit game. George Springer walked three times. And in game three, the dramatic one that happened last night, Jays snapped their three-game losing streak, and they end the Yankees' nine-game winning streak. Jays were down 8-3 to three and came back with a monster home run from Lourdes Gurriel, which you said, and Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, the Jays actually hit for the home run cycle in this game. They had a Springer with the solo shot, Vladdy with a two-run homer, Teo with a three-run homer, and Gurriel with a grand slam, which I thought that was really cool that that happened in game three here. And Yusei Kikuchi had control problems again. Three walks, he only gave up two hits, but both hits were home runs. So we wanted to see more from Kikuchi, but the boys had his back today, and they were able to get that win. Yeah, and a lot, kind of the same moral goes on with this, Jesse. It's it's pitching struggled, even Manoa a little bit. I know that he didn't get the calls that went his way. It still wasn't a, a peak performance for Alec Manoa in this. Um, the two other starters, Stripling and Kikuchi, obviously, you've already covered it. Um, Stripling was was not what I would have expected. Um, obviously, we've got Hunjin Ryu, who's done for the year. Yep. And here, here I am thinking, you know, there's a trade piece available or could be, you know, to get a fifth starter. And I thought, you know what? Let's see how Stripling does well. We saw how he did against the Yankees, which is one of the best hitting teams in all of baseball. And yeah, Stripling really struggled, not even making it to the beginning by the Yankees. Um, 
you know, he let us down in that game. Manoa didn't as much let us down. Um, but we got shut out again. Our bats weren't coming around. We are a very hot cold right now from a game to game basis. I mean, we went from scoring zero runs to double digits. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't need that. Let's split it in half, knock you up so many runs and score five or six. That's kind of what we haven't. We're not middle ground anywhere. We, we either win three nothing or we win 12 to two or 12 to 10, which we also don't need. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, we just score one more run than the opponents every single time and never happened. But baseball's weird. Baseball doesn't work that way. We know how it goes. We know what this offense is capable of. It'll come around. Riley, let's just move right into our thumbs up and thumbs down. And you can take it off for us. Who gets your first thumbs up in that series against the Yankees? Well, I know a lot of hype on this channel when we first started. It was talking about our uh, pipeline and, and the yep. kids finally here. Let's give our first thumbs up to Gab- to Gabby Moreno there. Yeah. For a- Give him a, the first thumbs up that we can this episode. I mean, um, he's looking good on all aspects of the field. Um, his speed definitely coming around too. You can see it as a catcher. He is a quick dude. Um, he hit very well. He played great defense. There's not much more to say. I mostly want him to give the thumbs up just because he's there. He's still there. And to me, it almost seems like he's a part of this lineup. Now I realize that there's a really good chance he gets sent back down to Buffalo, but for this time mm-hmm. being, Jesse, hey, I don't speculate. You can speculate. You can speculate. Um, but he's got to keep up this elite level of play to remain on this roster. And it's nothing against him, man. But, you know, so far, so good. This is a winning experiment right now, bringing up Moreno. You know, Gabriel Moreno has only played, what, three to five games? He hasn't played that many. He's been playing almost every other day since he got here. But I will say he has been hitting in the clutch so far and hitting with runners in scoring position. And we talked all April about how the Jays couldn't hit in runners in scoring position. We couldn't really do it that well this series either until Gabriel Moreno had come through with his hits. He had two more RBIs. He had uh, he had a few more in the series before too. And I know we can talk about the catching situation when Danny Jansen does get closer back to health and see what we do here. But I really want Gabriel Moreno in this lineup every single day. Like he's young. If you're going to give him a cup of coffee, put him in there. Let him see what the kid can do. He's already shown his elite speed, his elite defense. His bat control seems pretty good. Like, let's go. Let's see more of Gabriel Moreno in this lineup. Well, yeah, and he's drinking He's drinking espresso coffee right now yeah. man, because he is just flying out there. Yeah, he's doing good great stuff. Great to see, Jesse. Yeah, I think we want to talk about our other catcher, too, which is probably the reason Gabriel Moreno isn't getting so much time behind the plate is because Alejandro Kirk looks like a superstar, man. Let me tell you. And it's kind of wild that like this is the guy we were giving thumbs down to all of our first months because he just wasn't pulling the ball with authority and he wasn't doing it. And like, I don't really know what else to say from Gabriel Moreno. I think he might be what our third or fourth best hitter now. Like, I don't know where you'd rank him behind Springer or Bo or how you think Kirk's doing, but Kirk should be an all star. I think he's going to be an all star this year. And yeah, just great things coming from Alejandro Kirk, which is uh, way playing way above what even I thought he could do. And we were pretty high on Kirk to begin with. Oh, certainly the power numbers. And I mean, I said this, I don't know if you throw Gabby into the mix now too. And, and Jansen being out, it kind of struggles. I said, our catchers are going to hit for power. In fact, I said that they'll lead the league in home runs this year for uh, catchers. Mm-hmm. So Jesse, and it's, it's still, we're still good, good in that range. Um, but yeah, now, all of a sudden, Kirk went from, wow, you're way below expectations for hitting for power. And now, for me, it's like, wow, Kirk, you're actually exceeding expectations for power. So it went from being not being able to hit the ball and pull the ball to 
damn, man, Alejandro Kirk has got the power. In him, we trust. We know he's not going to give you too many poor plate appearances where he strikes out. But when he puts in the ball in play, he seems to smoke it. And that's good to see, man. I would like to see him. I think we're going to talk a little later on in the episode about kind of what our order, we think the order should do any changes. But for me, Kirk's got to be in the middle of the lineup right now because he's swinging such a good bat. Another stat I was going to say for later on Alejandro Kirk too, but we can just go ahead now because we're on the topic is Alejandro Kirk has not allowed a single pass ball this year. Like not one, right? Which I thought that, wow, that was pretty wild. Also his catcher's ERA. So the pitcher's ERA while Kirk is catching now, that's maybe because he's catching at what Alec Manoa and Jose Barrios all the time lately, but his 310, it's best on the team. Like, yeah, he's the real deal. I wish we could somehow maybe have two catcher spots. We get Moreno and Kirk both in the lineup every day, but I guess it's a good problem to have. Love to see that from Alejandro Kirk. So do I. That's a great stat to read off, Jesse. And that also makes me feel better because we know what Moreno can is starting to do defensively and what Jansen could do. And now you throw in that number and it's like, wow, Kirk is actually a much better defender than I've thought. Um, yeah, he's well on his way to being an all-star, man. I would be so surprised and disappointed if he wasn't you know, a starting catcher for the American League this year on the all-star team. Mm-hmm. We also got to give a thumbs up to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Because, man, this guy can be frustrating to watch at times. But when things are rolling for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., oh, boy, is it ever fun. He took a foul ball, I think, off his leg. Or was it a pitch off his leg? But I think it was a foul ball off his leg. And it looked bad. Like, it looked like Lourdes Gurriel was probably going to be out, probably had to go on the 15-day IL. And he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to come up and be the man. And he hit the grand slam in this game that brought the Jays back. They were down 8-3. to three, And his home run was kind of like a fuck you home run, you know? <laughs> like He's like, I'm hitting it. It's like, fuck this team. Throw the bat, run around, and do his pimp job. Absolute nails from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And uh, I have a stat that I wanted to bring up. Um, I found that from Joshua Hausham on Twitter. Again, another good follow if you want, should follow him. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel has the best OPS in major league history with the bases loaded. So that's all time of a minimum of 25 attempts with the bases loaded. If you move that down to 20 at bats, he trails only Fernando Tatis Jr. with the bases loaded. So I guess the secret is if the bases are juiced, don't come after Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because you are going to get burned. Five career grand slams too. Good stuff from you, Lourdes Gurriel. Do you got a number attached to that, Jesse? I think, Perhaps. Was, I think it was 1524, 1527, something along the lines of that. A fifth, I was thinking like 12 would be an <laughs> yeah. exceptional number. Yeah, 15, that's that's um, that's playing on rookie mode. I mean, uh, <laughs> Charlie Montoya goes in there and changes the difficulty when Lourdes steps up with the base load. It was awesome. Hey, man, that game was full of emotion. Um, it, it really was. That that was an emotional series for us. And yes, we walked out of there with the loss, and it does feel bad. Last time we got grief from my th- either Houston or Yankees fans on our channel so far watching it. I don't know if the Yankees scared are going to tune in again. Like, let's be honest. They got a good team. But I'm not a big fan of the showmanship. What Donaldson did there when he threw the bat down with Kikuchi. Kikuchi obviously not trying to hit him. Yeah. Kind of kind of made me a little upset, and I don't dislike Josh Donaldson. In fact, I even was neutral as an, as an Oakland, a secondary guy. Mm-hmm. I probably, I, I, you know, I liked him when he came to Oakland and then we got, it came to Toronto and then kind of got shuffled around now in the latter part of his career, you know, he's not the player he used to be and he still plays with that same showmanship. Um, yeah. wasn't a big fit. Wasn't a big fan of that. The pimp job home run there, um, in that game, I can't remember which Yankee did it. It was one of their, real, real nobodies. He pimped a home run and, and I didn't, wasn't a fan of that either, but you know what? We'll see the Yankees again. And I bet you I can, I'd put money on it that it's another one of those type of series. 
hopefully we take two out of the two out of three and you know swat the Yankees around a little bit like they did to us in that first game I think it's going to be another two months now until we see the Yankees. So we've played, what, 10 games against them now. So now we got a nice little break from them on the schedule. And honestly, the Jays just need to focus on playing who's on your schedule. Wins are wins. The Yankees are not the best team ever to play baseball. They are going to regress. Just hope it comes sooner rather than later. And it'll happen soon. Uh, let's move on to some thumbs down. We can power through these pretty quickly. We wanted to, I mean, I kind of want to give one to Yankees fans on Twitter, but that's a battle for another day. Um, no, we'll leave We'll leave them alone. We'll yeah. leave, we'll leave, okay. we'll leave them alone. Well, let, this is Blue Jays thumbs down, Jesse. That, right. You know, let's not poo-poo <laughs> the Yankees all the time. I'll start it off to get your money. Sure. Anyway, let's give it let's give it to Stripling. Sure. First one for me was Stripling. As we noted, our starting pitching was not what it should have been in this series. And obviously, Stripling just got hit around. He threw way too many pitches, gave up way too many runs. I mean, Stripling was a guy who was getting out of, you know, he could be 55 innings by the fifth. And I think he threw close to, you know, 75, 80 pitches. It's just, just not something that Ross Stripling needed. It took an ERA hit. Um, I think he bounces back from this, but for this episode, he's definitely a thumbs down man because he did cost us. I mean, with with help with another arm, he did help lose this series for us. Yeah, I mean, the Jays also didn't score many runs, so it's not all on Ross Stripling. But yeah, but he had in his two previous starts, one against Kansas City, one against Detroit, he was super efficient. I think he threw six or seven innings against Detroit and only threw like what fifty five pitches. I could be wrong on that, but it was a very low number. His efficiency was was top notch and just maybe playing against a better team in the New York Yankees with better bats. It's just, maybe it wasn't it for Ross Stripling. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll be interested to see how he performs in this next one. I want to talk about uh, Yusei Kikuchi's latest start here and man. Okay. Kikuchi, you can see it, you know, he's got the good stuff and you know, there's the adjustment to be there, but when he's just walking guys and throwing too many uncompetitive pitches, it seems like it's a real struggle. And I have, again, another stat I was going to say for later, but I'll throw it up here now. If you look at Yusei Kikuchi's ERA by month and correlate it with how much he is throwing that fastball, um, they're actually quite related there. And I'm just trying to see if I can. Yeah, here it is. So in April, Kikuchi had a 552 ERA. The opponent's OPS was 938 against them, and the Jays were 0-4 in this, those games. He was throwing his fastball 47% of the time. In the month of May, he was throwing his fastball 60% of the time, and he had a 236 ERA with a 529 opponent's OPS, and the Jays won 60% of his games. Now, back in June, he's dropped that again. He's down to 45% fastball usage, and his ERA is over 10. The OPS is much worse, and the Jays have lost all three of Kikuchi's starts. So I'm not saying if Kikuchi throws his fastball more, he will be a better pitcher, but I'm kind of saying if Kikuchi throws his fastball more, he's going to be a better pitcher. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing, Jesse. I mean, you don't yeah. even have to be a baseball fan to figure that out. You just have to be a good listener. And yeah, the numbers don't lie, man. Um, you said it, man. There was a term you used, non-competitive pitches mm-hmm. um in certain counts. And that's that's gonna be what you can't. I mean, if it's a if it's an 0-2 count and a guy's been swinging a bat like freely, then yeah, throw him a slider outside or throw him a fastball up, you know. Yeah, like Joey Gallo, if he's at a player pitch, or but right? when it Exactly. Joey Gallo hit ninth. I think that's hilarious. But anyways, <laughs> you know, it just it just like I know Kikuchi just needs to spot it, spot his fastball and he'll be fine, man. I mean, he's got one of the better defenses behind him in, in major and I, in my opinion, got a, uh, one of the better major league defenses. And you know what? Yeah, pitch. Pitch selection has got to be better. I mean, I'm sure him and Pete Walker talk endlessly about it. I mean, I'm 
pretty sure that might be the only thing they really talk about. So, I mean, figured out you say Kikuchi because like you said, he looks good, but the results just haven't been there. Yeah, we were going to touch on Bo Bichette at the plate a little bit too as he's uh, he's been, you know, he hasn't had that power burst in a bit. You know, he's been fine. He's been getting his hits here or there. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, Riley, was there something you wanted to add on Bo Bichette? Yeah, just exa- pretty much that, man. Just the just the power numbers. I mean, for a guy who led the American League in hits, it just his numbers are pretty low. I'll say. I mean, we know that the base on balls are not going to be there, but we saw that he ha- still is drawing his walks from time to time. Yeah, which is um, an improvement. De- which is definitely an improvement, man. But um, with Bull Bichette, um, I, I do think he had. He's had a home run in the last week for sure, but mm-hmm. it just hasn't. Uh, this is more of a thumbs de- seasons, a thumbs down for where we stand right now with Bichette. And yeah, kind of just need the power to pick up a little bit. I mean, he was higher up in, in all-star voting last year. We'll compare it to that right now. And I'm sure he's nowhere to be seen for shortstops right now in the American league, right? Like comparatively, comparatively, he's just not doing it um, for his position right now. I mean, I'm still confident that he's going to turn it around, too. He's got the pedigree. He's still good. You know, Riley, I'm going to give you an inspirational quote via Bo Bichette. And in life, if you could believe in something, just like Bo Bichette believes he can hit that pitch in the opposite batter's box, you would have great confidence. I mean, I'm a guy who sits here with fairly good confidence. I mean, people who know <laughs> me know that I have decent confidence. Yeah, well, maybe Bo Bichette should be a little more um laid back and not so overconfident. I mean, he's that let's, I mean, swagger isn't a stat that you read on baseball cards, but Boba shed is a guy with swagger and you know what, maybe tone it down a little bit more. Trust me. I'm one for the showmanship dude. Mm-hmm. Don't even get me wrong, but I would just like to see better results from Bichette. I mean, yes, I agree. He'll turn it around, but is he going to go on a streak where he hits 450 and really boost his numbers? Or is he going to go on a streak where he hits 300 over uh, a month and just slightly raise it up with maybe four home runs in a month? You know, like that's still good, but we need those numbers up. Like he needs to get real hot. I guess we'll have to wait and see. And that'll be a storyline to follow going forward here. Uh, Riley, I got some news and notes. I'm yes. going to spit through them. If there's anything that catches your attention, stop me and we can get into it. All right. You go right ahead, sir. All right. Trevor Richards was placed on the 15-day IL with a neck strain. Now, I do want to say neck strain seems to be like that phantom injury that they use when um, the guy's not really hurt, but they don't want to DFA him, so they just got to find a reason to put him on the IL. I like to make the joke that his neck is strained because he's been snapping it backwards too much after giving up too many home runs. (laughs) That could probably put some strain on the neck there. Anyways, he's on the 15-day IL. Matt Gage has been recalled in his place. Uh, Casey Lawrence is back with the club. Jeremy Lawrence has been sent to AAA, and we saw Casey Lawrence in this series. The Jays have called up Otto Lopez, who is the number six prospect in our system, and he hasn't seen any game action yet, but he's a toolsy infielder. Good glove, good speed, good bat-to-ball skills. You know, I, I expect we'll probably see him at some point in this White Sox series coming up, and it'll be interesting to talk about him as he goes. The Jays also called up, as we mentioned in our last episode, we are like, hey, keep an eye on this guy, Maximo Castillo. Well, the Jays just decided, hey, let's bring him right up to the big leagues. Let's go. Now, he gave up two home runs to the first two guys in the show, but then he retired the next three, including a strikeout, so... It's good to see Maximo Castillo up on this team. I'm excited to see what we get from him coming a little forward here. 
Danny Jansen has begun baseball activities. Now he's done just light catcher work and taken some dry swing. So it still seems like he's still a little bit ways away, but he's officially on the track back now. And Eric Pardino is finally back in the action after he had Tommy John in 2020. He'll make some rehab starts and then the Jays are going to decide where in the minor league system he will go. He was an MLB pipeline top 100 prospect in 2019 before his Tommy John surgery. So, you know, just another name, file that in the memory bank, keep it away. Uh, and Hunjin Ryu officially had his Tommy John surgery and is officially out between 12 to 18 months. So anything there catch your eyes? Yeah, uh, a few things. I'll just touch kind of quickly on it. I think mm-hmm. Lopez, uh, Otto Lopez, will be a nice platoon infielder. Um, someone who's not going to swing a bat for us, really. Um, decent defender can play all infield positions, uh, at least second, short, third kind of guy. Um, what they choose to do with them, because that's kind of what Cavan's been doing. And Cavan can play a little more outfield. Um, so we'll see what they do. I mean, he's definitely a rest day guy for maybe Bo or yeah. Espinal. We'll and see with, what Matt, ha- with Matt Chapman, too, who's dealing with that wrist injury. I think that's... Yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, good for Ryu. I heard the surgery was successful. We love that. Obviously he's going to take a boatload of time to retire. Um, his, his time with the team is now kind of in question. Obviously he's got to recover. So we're kind of, we'll talk about that more uh, probably in many episodes down the road. And the last one, I think Eric Pardino, uh, Brazilian born pitcher, yes. if I'm not yes, mistaken, he was. He which, pitched is, in the WBC. which is, yes, which is awfully cool. Still very young. His MLB ETA is, is quite far down the road. I would say 2026, 27, if that, mm. but uh, you got to, if you want to put that in your memory bank, put it in a deep folder and save that. Um, Cause you know what? Hopefully the surgery doesn't mess with him too much on what he did prior. Um, but yeah, like you said, top 100 prospect in 2019, I'm sure he'll be able to come back from that. Still a young guy, lots of time to develop. And as you, as we say too, pitchers, they may take a little bit longer to develop too. He's still young. We'll see what happens, man. And yeah, we're missing Jansen. I'll, I'll, I'll say that that's it for my remarks on your notes there, but yeah, no, I'm personally missing Jansen. And that's even with the catchers we got, um, you know, how hot he was at the time of injury. It's crazy, man. Yep. Dwayne Ward, Pedro Martinez, Jeff Francis, and Justin Morneau were all officially inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't know if you got to watch any of their speeches or whatnot, but it's, you know, great names in the uh, the Canadian baseball community. I know Pedro Martinez pitched for the Expos, and we, we've we already talked about Morneau, Francis, and Ward in the offseason when they got elected, but now they're officially in, so good for them. And uh, Nate Pearson was removed from his AAA appearance after just two pitches. Allegedly, he didn't look comfortable during his warm-up tosses and yelled something after he threw the pitch. The catcher came out immediately, and then he left the game with the training staff. The Blue Jays say it's officially a shoulder discomfort. But man, this does not sound great for Nate Pearson and kind of heartbreaking for a guy who's got all the tools in the world but just cannot stay healthy. And it seems like this is going to be another extended absence for Nate Pearson. I mean, he's had extended period of time where he's not been playing baseball. It's tough, man. We know what he can do. Um, he has the potential. He's every day that ticks by where he's not throwing a baseball. He's just losing that much more time, man. Um, it's it's tough. And after two pitches, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, you you gotta wonder what's what's going on with it with a guy like that. I mean, hopefully it's a speedy recovery, but God knows what it is, Jesse. Like, really though, it, it could be very minor, it could be very major. Yeah, we will give more updates as they come, but it's I think it's almost time now we can kind of rule out Nate Pearson being an impact piece on this team, at least for any time in the future. Which leads me to think like the Jays are going to need some bullpen help and all this stuff. So I've just got 
a list of five guys that I think the Blue Jays should try to look for um, in the bullpen to try to improve their bullpen, right? I'll spit out five. If you can think of any on the top of your head, you let me know. But what the Jays really do need is a guy with that can throw hard because we've talked about in our episodes before that the Blue Jays just don't seem to have that guy. So I've got some lists of five guys here, all throwing 97 miles per hour or harder and are having good years. So one, Gregory Soto of the Tigers, he throws 98.5 and has closing experience. Now he does walk a few too many guys, but he gets you a strikeout in an inning. I think he could be got had pretty cheap for this pen. Two guys we just saw in the Orioles series, if we can get the Orioles to uh, trade for us, that's Felix Bautista and Jorge Lopez. Um, both have ERAs in the mid ones and Jorge, Jorge Lopez is under under one. Uh, Daniel Bard, who is kind of my favorite, who I think the Jays should go for. He throws 97.3. He has an ERA under two in Coors Field with 35 strikeouts and 27 innings. And Josh Stallman of Kansas City uh, also has 31 strikeouts and 24 innings, and he's been limited the walks I would get. So I could see those five names as one of the relief targets the Jays should look to acquire. I think the price for Soto would be too much. Um, just out of those, yeah. out of the names for that, um, Baltimore would be a, a good one. I think the price would be a lot lower. Um, that's the thing with relief pitchers is if you're a close, there's closers and there's non-closers for the value. I mean, I could go and say Josh Hader, but the price we'd have to give up for him is astronomical. And- now, if I went and said uh, Devin Williams, the setup man, um, I, that we'd be talking a, at a easier territory, but still, he's just, uh, just, his price would still be a bit more too. Now, the middle relief guys from Baltimore, yeah, that's more up our alley. And we were talking about this last time. We do need fireballers. We need guys mm-hmm. who can throw with high velocity to differentiate from our starters who throw. I mean, who's our fastest starter, really? Like at this point, who's throwing the fastest pitch? Like Kikuchi's like up Kikuchi, there. probably. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Kikuchi. He's probably been our starter with the, with the most velocity this year. I mean, Only we don't have throw a lot more. <laughs> I'd well, then listen up. You say, yeah. I'd say throw your, your fastball. But yeah. for the meantime, we're talking bullpen. Yeah. We need a guy who throws 90s, even 96, 97, 98. Doesn't matter. I, over 95 miles an hour. Definitely get us one of those guys. Yeah. Um, Another only one more stat because we've kind of used the other ones I've had already today. Uh, Charlie Montoyo has been ejected four times this season, which equals the equivalent he's had since he's become manager in all the previous seasons. And his four ejections this year are the most in baseball. So it's like um, it's like John Gibbons 2.0, except he's not, you know, chucking hats or chucking beer cans at the uh, team here. But he's just on a run. And Montoyo, four ejections on the year, which is something I probably never saw coming coming into this year. I didn't see it coming either, Jesse, to be honest, though. I don't really hate it. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering what the – I'm sure Lou Pinella holds it for a season. I don't think Montoya will become close to the record. It would take a lot, and I think he'd be fired before that ever happened. That's not his style. It's just we're, we're, in, a tight, we're in a tight division, and you know what? To get thrown out when you're playing the Yankees in a ball game like that, you know what happens? I mean, the umpires also, you know, we'll devote a whole segment to umpires here, but I'm just <laughs> build, I'm just building up material to talk about for 15 minutes about MLB umpires. It's not good. I'll never go to robo ones, but they all need a good, <laughs> a, a good, a good kick in the, in the you know, rear end because it's, it's, it's cost other teams ball games. It co- it's a, actually, I think there's a stat somewhere that we've actually lost out on a lot of calls this season. I'm not going to gripe too much about it because every team gets bad calls against them. 
that's the problem, right? Um, we'll have that umpire conversation another day, and I'm sure it'll come yeah. up again at some point this season. But with meanwhile, the Jays, after losing that series, we're going on the road. We've got a road trip here, and we're going to go to the south side of Chicago to face the Chicago White Sox, a team we just saw probably about a week or two ago. Probable pitchers are as follows. Jose Barrios will play against Lance Lynn. On Tuesday, we'll have Kevin Gosman against Dylan Cease, and on Wednesday, it'll be Ross Stripling against Lucas Giolito. So, Riley, what are we looking to see from these Blue Jays this series? Well, again, we come off a series where we got shut out and then hit double-digit runs, man. Mm -hmm. So, and these pitchers uh, for the White Sox, Lance Lynn, not a guy who will overpower you, but a guy who's one of the gutsiest pitchers in Major League Baseball. He just attacks hitters. A lot of Uh, fastballs from Lance Lynn. A lot of fastballs. Yeah, yeah. Cease, I think, still throws. I don't think he throws... A monster. So I think he's 96, 97 velocity around there. And then Giolito, um, when he's when he's good, he's he's good. He is just basically a poor man's Justin Verlander, Lucas Giolito. You always got to watch out when he takes the hill. I think it's a series we should win. We just got to get on the bats, man. I think it's a series that we will win game six to four. Uh, yeah, Barrios needs another good start. This is a, a another watch this kind of start for Jose Barrios. I feel like this is a team playing for the Minnesota twins before I think this is a team that he should be able to dice up a little bit more or on the other side of that, Jesse, he gives up seven runs because the white Sox <laughs> do their scouting reports, man. It could go. I feel like it could go either way, dude. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, Jose Barrios has had good numbers against the white Sox in his career. And if you look at the white Sox team stats, they actually struggle pretty heavily against right-handed pitchers, but they crush left-handed pitchers this year. So I think the Jays are throwing three righties. I think it is a good omen for this team. And I think it can mean uh, good things coming up, coming forward. So if the right-handed pitchers can do their things and the Jays get their bats going, we could be looking at another series win, but I'm not calling for a sweep like I was against the Yankees. I think I've learned that lesson right now. So. Yeah, that was a, well, I I haven't touched on that. It's a little bit gutsy. And I think you used the term we said last episode, and I just want to correct Mr. Burl made this bold <laughs> acquisition claim. He said, we're going to sweep and this is going to turn. And I said, I think we're going to, I pretty sure I said, I think we're going to take one out of three. Yeah. So I it, just bud. want to make that clear that we, as even though we're the same, we run a channel here. I have my own opinions on things, but I do think that we will beat up on the White Sox. Again, I don't think it's a sweep. I think we take two out of three. I think it's a good series. I think that we get a good Good quality start from Gosman because, boy, he's overdue for it. I'm with you on that one. Uh, That'll do it for our episode here today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, give us a five-star review. We might actually be heading up the Apple podcast area here soon. So if you're on Apple, um, get ready for that. We'll be back later this week to discuss our trip to the south side of Chicago. But Riley, before we do, anything you want to add before we get out here today? Oh, you know I got something to add, baby. (laughs) Two nothing in the series right now. Colorado up on Tampa Bay Lightning. I love it. Let's win my boy Joe Sackick a cup as a general manager. He won two as a player. He's won a gold medal. Get Joe Sackick because I don't care about players these days. I care about my guys way back. And let's get Joe Sackick, my favorite player of all time, a Stanley Cup ring as a GM. Let's go Avalanche. But most importantly, Jesse, Let's go Blue Jays. Hell yeah, man. I'm with you on that one. Let's go Blue Jays. Big series win. We'll be back Thursday to recap the next one. Until then, see you around. Thanks, guys.